Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Where we are, it's a good afternoon, everybody. And before we begin today's podcast, we're driving along as we podcast in the car, and I need to tell Spice. She just saw that from the look on your face that we need to stop for gas. We need to stop for gas in the next town. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, yeah, I should have done that before we left. Ah, we're okay. We have range of 82 miles left, and we're only 22 miles out of town or 20 miles out of town, so we're good. We're but, seven miles from the next gas station. But we do not want to make the trip back Yep. on this cast. Welcome yep. to the show, the big show, the largest show that is, sorry about the noise, that is taped in our car, even though we don't use actual tape. But it is actually our car, so batting 500. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got all these words flooding out of my mouth. <laughs> and uh, we all know that flooding is not good. So, flooding can be dangerous. Flooding can be bad. Flooding can cost you money. It can cost you your life, depending on the kind of flood, whether it be a flash flood or a or a bigger flood. So, hey, let's talk about floods. Some of this stuff is pretty obvious, and we've touched on it in other places. So, But I think we should just bring them up here since the topic is floods. First of all, if you... Have never driven through running water and had your car almost washed off the road by what you thought was just a little runoff from what from a bare field, not even a creeklet. We've been there. We've done that. It stinks. You would be shocked and amazed how little water it takes to move a car off a road. Okay, we're so, gonna, we're going to tell a story. Um, were we? I think we were in your Joe uh, Metro, if I recall correctly. It was one of my small yes, gas Yes, it may cars. have been your Renault LeCar, and yes, we actually did own a Renault LeCar for a while. That's a true story. <laughs> Which really wasn't a bad car. It was actually comfortable to drive. It was big inside. The transmission was really bad. <laughs> the, remember that slush yeah. medic? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but we were driving along. We were coming back from, from Illinois, and we were just driving. It was night, and it had been raining hard that day now we're up on a ridge road okay and we're driving down this little dip in the highway and because these country roads they don't they're not like city roads they're, they're they go up and down and up and down they don't the, the grade was never leveled when they built them and there's a, a cornfield was off to each side of us and there's a draw in the cornfield and the the um, height of the top of the field is just maybe a little over the roof of our car. I mean, it's not like it, we're not talking hi, real hills here. They didn't even, and this dip is, what, 15 feet, maybe? Not even that deep. Not even that deep. They didn't even bother having a culvert under the road at that point. Uh, they, they had something. I mean, just a tube. They had a tube. Not really a, not really a full-blown culvert. And the tube must have been plugged. Because... We're driving along, and we come in, we're coming down the little hill, and it's maybe 15 feet worth of hill. It's not even a hill. Raining and, cats and dogs. And we hit the water, and our wheels lose complete traction. Boom. We are floating. Start drifting into the oncoming lane. And there's we're a, being washed down. That's downstream. We're being washed side. downstream on the highway. And this is not a low water crossing highway. This is like two rather flat corn farm fields on the top of a ridge kind of highway. 
So respect flowing water and driving through it is bad. That is the the first pretty obvious but ought to be said element. And also we have we, we have that in, a, in in an article. And also we have an article about how to keep a escape tool in your car so that if it does happen, you can break out the window, cut your seatbelt, and actually get out of that vehicle. They're very inexpensive. They're available on Amazon anywhere you look. Uh, a little razor thing. and Yeah, and it uh, works for mangled cars that you need to get out of as well as flood situations. It's not as easy to break a window in a car as you think it might be. Yeah. They're not designed to break that easily. So, but these tools these tools have the little pointed thing that go, and so anyway, yes, cars. What else? Um, don't build on a floodplain ever. Ever, if it's a building that can't afford to get wet and maybe get washed, depending on where you put it. Yeah, we. Um, those are the biggest problems in the flood of '93, because so many people had built in the floodplain. Those are the biggest problems with. In Katrina, because so many people lived below sea level. Don't live below sea level if you are in a sea level, a sea area. If you're in Death Valley, it's okay. The, the ocean's not going to get you. But if you're in New Orleans, live above sea level. Deserts can actually be pretty dangerous that way. Because yeah, they, they have few, they ridiculous like flat floods. Yeah, they do. But uh, Mountains, and or just as well, don't camp in, in draws. No, and don't don't camp in dry creek beds. <laughs> dry riverbeds, because you know those rocks are in there and they're rounded. They did not get rounded by the wind. Yeah. Even if there is no cloudburst near you, positional thunderstorms can be very intense and upstream of you. And if you're if you like to do some of the things like we do, like playing canyons, and you really have to pay attention to that. I know we were when we were in Zion, we were in the main canyon, and the river that runs back. We couldn't really go back in there very far because there had been storms in the area, and the water level can rise quickly. And then there's some other places. We love to cave. And there are certain caves you can go into when it's been raining, and there are certain caves you should avoid. For example, in Kentucky, you can feel it's the best time to go into uh, the Jewel Cave. Is, is it called the Jewel Box? I forget exactly what it was called. Something like Something that. Something like that. Diamond Cave? Diamond yeah. Cave, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you, you can look it up. You go in there when it's been pouring rain for three days, because all the waterworks are running inside it. If it's been pouring rain for three days, you may as well skip your your uh, tour of Horse Cave, because... It's going to be a float. It's going to be... You're, yeah, you're going to look down there and see a sinkhole full of water. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of depends on which cave you're in. Which kind of brings us to the real reason I, I thought of making this podcast about floods. Which is, it's getting to be spring season when um, the normal spring floods come, and sometimes really big spring floods come. Have you checked your potential exit routes? You're listening to a proper podcast. I'm hoping you have a plan for how you're going to leave your area if you need to leave your area. Where Even you're if you're going to meet your family, your right. backup plan for where you're going to meet your family. Things Even like if that. it's just a temporary, you got to get out of the area because there's been a, a chemical spill. They, they're evacuating because of you know, whatever reason, forest fire, wildfire, you name it. There could be all kinds of problems that you need to evacuate the area for 24, 48, or 60, or 72 hours, you know. But if it's flood season... Don't assume your routes are going to be open, even if they're interstates. Don't assume they're going to be open, because interstates flood. 
everything floods. And if you've got a plan to go by the back roads, a lot more of those, they if you don't see them in high flood season, you may not be aware of which ones are at risk and which ones aren't. One, Certainly if you start going through rural areas, there's going to be some places that you can't get through. One of the things we know about the place, which is where our, our country retreat is, is we know there's only one way in and one way out during flood season. And from where we live, it's the long way. And we've got, oh, about four different routes normally. And then a couple but we've other got, roads that okay, we could. Okay, if it's been raining for this long, we can't go this way. If it's not been, if it's been raining for longer than that, we can't go this other way. Even longer than that, we can't go the third way. And if we're in a serious flood, we're down to one route. And then there's that one road, if, if it's had a heavy dew, you don't want to take it because it's, it turns the uh, hard-packed dirt into soft-packed mud. But that's not a normal route for us. That, that was a, oh, heck, we're on this route now kind of route. <laughs> yeah. So, but it wasn't as bad as that road I had to back out a mile and a half. Oh. Yeah, because that road had was standing water on it at the bottom of the hill. So we did not know about it. There was no place to turn around. There was no shoulders in the in the Yeah, sometimes on those gravel roads you get no turnaround spots. So yeah. That was fun. But we were in a rental car and rental cars can go anywhere. That's right, they can do anything. (laughs) So one other major thing about floods that a lot of people don't know especially when it comes time to do the cleanup and you're maybe wading through the water, trying to reclaim stuff, things like that. The single biggest overlooked risk of floods, I hope everybody thinks about drowning and not getting washed away in a car, single biggest risk of floods is communicable diseases that we don't normally have problems with in the U.S. Because municipal sewer systems get overrun with water. And the contents of the municipal sewer systems get untreated into the floodwaters. And then people start wading through the floodwaters, either to try and rescue others or to rescue their stuff or to try and get back in early or what for whatever reason. But the only serious diseases I can think of of fecally spread diseases that were really kind of third world country disease outbreaks in the U.S. that I recall were actually flood related. Like in 19, in the flood of 93 here in the Midwest, uh, the city of Des Moines got overrun with water and their sewage plant got washed into the river. And they had some disease outbreaks downstream because somebody had hepatitis or something like that. It got into the water and rescuers who had been working in the water caught those diseases uh another another gotcha when it comes to flood work and sandbagging is tetanus if you're going to be doing sandbagging and working around flood water have a tetanus shot i'll tell you at the life vest. I'm sorry? And a life vest. And a life vest. Yeah, we, we were volunteers during the flood of 93. We could tell you several stories. Uh, but we were volunteers during the flood of 93. We do not live in 
a town that was affected. We live on a hill. This is not an accident. Yeah, but we live about 35, or lived at the time, about 35 miles from a town that was affected. And this is 93, so it's been a while. And that town was sandbagging their clay levee. And I mentioned clay, and we'll come back to that story in a bit. Their town was sandbagging that clay levee. And so we went down there, and she did a lot more sandbagging than I did because I had a big black pickup truck. And that big black pickup truck was, I was, my biggest contribution for that week, I took a week off work to help the people because a lot of them were my friends. I went to school in that town. And a lot of them were my people that I cared about. So I would go and we would load up their family's possessions, which were down in the lower part of town. The town is built on a hill and then it has a lower part. And then we'd take them up to uh, friends that they had up the hill and like their store, th- store all their possessions in their garage. That's the level of confidence we had in the levee at that point in time. That it was, it was coming up. We had, we had the levee and then we had sandbags and there were boards. There were like, what, six-inch boards? It was on the Mississippi, by the way. Right, this is on the Mississippi. There were six-inch boards, and those boards were, what, four deep? We had, um, like, 32-inch high of boards that were backed and forth with sandbags, and it was up on the sandbags. It was up on the boards. That's how high it was getting. And then, I'll tell you, when they start passing out the life vests, it gets your attention. Yeah. On the levee at midnight, and they... The, we were working behind the levee, right, filling uh-huh. the sandbags and handing up the lumber and handing up the bags. So we're not talking just the guys standing on top of the levee who had one foot in the water on the far side of the levee. We're talking those of us who were behind it. They started handing out life vests too. And if the Mississippi River washes you away when you're, you're wearing a life vest in going. the middle of the night in a huge flood, you're going. you think that life vest is going to save you? No, I don't. But, I mean, you're going for the ride. But, anyway, the the really weirdest part about that whole deal was we were building the levee. We were building it higher and building it higher and building it higher. And the people across the river from us in Illinois were building the levee. They were sandbagging and sandbagging and building the levee and building the levee. Because you know there's a town about you don't have to outrun the bear, you have to outrun the slowest member of your party. That's how this was. Because one of these levees was going to break, and if ours broke, it what we it wouldn't have filled enough acreage to really save them. But theirs broke, and it dropped the river overnight six eight feet yeah. as it went out and. Covered the thousands and thousands and thousands of acres in that whole levee area. We were out till midnight one night wearing our life vests. We got back the next morning. Uh, next afternoon, because I yeah. had to work. Uh, got back the next afternoon to put in the evening shift. And they didn't need a whole lot of help that day because you could just stand there on the levee and hear the... Mississippi River pouring into thousands and thousands of acres through a hole in the levee across the river. And for the one thing, you felt relief. Um, The people in the town we were in could rest. They could relax a little bit, get some rest because they were working so hard. But 
you know, it's your neighbors across the river. Yep. They're going under. To this day, if you watch video from the uh, flood of 93, and you see an entire house, a big old farmhouse being lifted off its foundation. And carried downstream. downstream. Yeah. That was across the river from Yeah, us. that was right. That we was a house you could see. Standing there listening to the water go through that hole. Also, if you were, um, if you were watching any of the footage from the flood of 93, and you'll see the river pouring into West Quincy, Illinois, and you'll, which is actually on the Missouri side. It's West Quincy, Missouri, actually. Um, and you see a gas station explode and the, the tanks explode and blow up and, and, uh, start getting washed away. That was the regular gas station we stop at, or yeah. used to stop at when we went to Illinois. That was our gas station. And um, people don't realize how important northeast Missouri is to western Illinois because the Bayview Bridge in Quincy was the only bridge open between St. Louis and, like, Minnesota because everything else was closed. And that one bridge, they have two bridges there, but one of them is built much higher. It's a much newer bridge. But when the ro- the access road went under for the Bayview Bridge, that was it. And from the Quincy, Illinois, or the Quincy, Missouri riverbank to where the flood stopped is, what, eight miles? It took out eight miles of road. The whole bottom land. One of the TV trucks uh, got in trouble and got stuck, and they had to drive it up onto an overpass and leave it parked there for the duration of the flood. The TV truck, they... Came in in a helicopter and got the guys off of it. Yeah. And but that, the truck stayed there for well, the truck stayed there on the overpass, and it was fine. In fact, I think it was kind of kind of interesting that the state of Illinois uh, did a whole bunch of bridge maintenance on those two bridges while, while they were closed anyway. <laughs> they were able to go in and get, the, get some major repair or, you know, some critical repairs done because they're already closed. You may as well do it. That's but, a nice... Uh, demonstration of the importance of the point of knowing what routes are going to go underwater when. Right. Now, see, I mean, people had to get creative during that flood. There was no way to get across. But a lot of people live in Missouri and work in Illinois or live in Illinois and work in Missouri. So what they would do is, I mean, you're the hospital and your doctors and nurses are across the river. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to send the helicopter over and just ferry your staff over across the river. They would ferry them once a week. They'd bring them over and work them like four 12-hour shifts and have them stay in the unused wing of the hospital. And then they'd bring them home for three days and run it again. There's a really cool thing that they did in Keokuk, which was really interesting. The lock and dam at the Keokuk River has a tramway on the top of it that they use to... to run the crane back and forth. They have this big giant crane. and they For use construction that, hmm? and maintenance. Yeah, for like clearing clearing logs away the, from the against the, the uh, gate, you know, clearing away debris and stuff like that. They use it all the time. Well, they were able to take the crane off because the dam, the lock and dam was just wide open because there's no, you don't control the river when it it's like that. It was equally high on both sides. You just, you just let it go because there's nothing you Nobody can do. Nobody was it's, navigating. It's nav- those dams are navigational, not flood control. Really, they may say they are, but not really. So mm-hmm. they they opened it up, let it go. But what they did is they went to a antique railroad museum, and they got a 
trolley car out of it and literally took it was the, a narrow track trolley took the train or took the trolley car and put it on top of the lock and dam and that's how people from Keokuk got over to Hamilton across the river. And, you know, a lot, again, a lot of the people who work at the Keokuk Hospital, the Keokuk Nursing Home. The employers would run buses yeah, up yeah. to the trolley stop. Because <laughs> so, that was the only way. Don't think it can't necessarily happen just because it's never happened before. Cause and this was months. Yeah. This I, was months. That was beyond anybody's experience since these bridges were built. No, no. And any of them went underwater and lost every bridge along the Mississippi River for three solid states. We can tell you another story that's because we were one of the first people we needed to go to Quincy. We had an event that we needed to go over there for. And we got the word the day before that the next morning the highway to Quincy was going to be open. And now at the time, the highway to Quincy ran under the Santa Fe Railroad tracks. It actually literally... The, the tracks ran over the highway, and you would dip down in this underneath, probably you know the size of a so a semi could go under it, underneath the railroad track, and then come back up. So not only was that that was the low spot, that thing, and we're driving in there, and we're we're driving the big black Forge pickup truck, full size pickup truck, and we're driving, and we get to the area where you can see they've cleaned off the road, and we get to the area there's sandbags next to the road. And then you just keep going and going, and these sandbags keep getting higher and higher. And you could literally see the water up these sandbags. Up the level of the water was about the level of the window of our pickup truck. And you could just see, I mean, you're looking across the sandbags and the water. And that was weird. Now, going under into that underpass... To get over yeah. there, that was that was a little freaky. That was like, yeah, they had the pumps running. The Mississippi River. That the, was just they really had the, calming like, and relaxing. big, big pumps running, shooting water out of this low. And the car, the truck sides were getting sprayed by little jets of water coming in between the sandbags on either side from the pressure of the water. It was deep enough. If you doubt the importance of modern infrastructure and how important it is for one state to be connected to another state economically, that ended all doubt of that for me. Because that was just boom. That showed me. And so we get there. We get we drive across the bridge, which is way up above the river now, and then because Quincy, Illinois, is on a bluff. We drive across the bridge. We go up the the, the rather steep little hill there to, to the downtown area where one of the Lincoln-Douglas debates was done. And the mayor of the town is standing there. This is a 50,000 city, town of 50,000. Uh, 50, He's standing there with the sign, Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, Missourians. Does that tell you how important... We, our roads are to modern commerce. It was eye-opening. And think what an earthquake or major floods yeah. would do to, well, I know what they'd do to Missouri because we have bridges all over the place. But it's something for a prepper to keep in mind, so we thought we would bring it up here as flood season approaches. Yeah. And uh, my one hint, if you are going to build a building in a flood prone area make sure it's metal 
uh, and orient it in the direction of water flow. Orient it in the direction of water flow and have open both ends. Be able to open both ends of the building up. That is critically important. Do not, if you if you know you're going under, open all the doors. And if you're going to electrically wire it, you can put the electrical wiring up high and put the plug-in boxes up high. That saves you in a large number of floods. Yes. So there you are. Also keeps the mice from climbing into your boxes as much, by the way. Okay. So, are we going to stick a fork in this one? We're going to stick a fork in it. Have a good day, folks. Don't float away.